happy for his presence here tonight. Amen. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. I want to welcome everyone to the house of the Lord. I just want to be grateful for all that would be here. I'm nervous, so I'm going to take a second to get my butterflies going in one direction. But how many has been enjoying the presence of God today? Ain't God good. And God bless you for the singing and the specials and all that was tonight. And that's all the singing will do. Thank you. And we'll just maybe go before the Lord in prayer. And Heavenly Father, how are we just so grateful for your presence, Lord. Lord, you said, and Lord, how the prophet would describe how you'd come down in the cool of the evening in the Garden of Eden, Lord. And you'd come and you'd speak to your children, Adam and Eve, Lord. And how they'd come into the presence of Father. And how they could come and sit at your feet and talk to you and ask you the questions on their heart. And how does this work? And how does that work, oh God? And now we can come in your August presence tonight, oh God. And Lord God, your people might have come with questions or wonderings or all kinds of things that we might come with on our heart, but you're the God of peace and love and joy. You're the God that would answer the questions. You're the God of all creation, and Lord, we just want to come. I just commit myself to you. I pray you take all of our thoughts, all of our lives, all the things. We commit it into your hands. I pray you'd speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. I wonder if we could turn to Galatians chapter 5 and James chapter 1. Galatians chapter 5, we'll just start with verse 13 and then in James chapter 1. Brother Ed had started this year a little bit with that thought of liberty, and it kind of jumped out at me as I was looking at these thoughts, how that is also a theme. It's not maybe where I'll focus, but for brethren, verse 13, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty 
for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such things. These are the fruits of Satan's spirit. The which things I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit... Is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And I, I just want to look at that one, the start of the verse of 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace. I want to look at those three things a little bit tonight. We could maybe turn over to the book of James, and tonight I might go through a few different parts of James and pull out those thoughts of love and joy and peace that I've seen in there and other places, and we just look to God and trust him and how to put it all together. But James chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy. Everything. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. God bless you. You can have your seats. And There's many things. I was just thinking a little bit more maybe of things. We, there's many things that have been said about Brother Harold as he passed and after and couple things that still stood out or that I was thinking about or having notes um, that he would say over and over again as we grew up under his ministry. He would say, he would, he would hold his hand up to his ear and he would say, and, and through repetition, it would drop from here to here. He would say, faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. He would say that over and over again as I grew up. And, and I recognized with time as it, it would get from here and it would go all the way to here because the Bible would say, without faith, you cannot please God. And to overcome, you need faith. And you start to say, well, I need faith then. And he, Brother Harold over and over had said, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Another, another thing that had jumped out at me about what Brother Harold would say over and over again is that he would say, the devil is deadly with discouragement. And it was an important principle to realize, let's not get discouraged. Because he's deadly with it. If the devil can get us off on a path or into discouragement, but we're to have joy and we're to have love and we're to have peace. And I believe that, you know, Brother Max, I wasn't able to be there, but Brother Max had preached that service. The work is not finished yet. I can say that the God of Elijah is not dead. The God of William Branham's not dead. The God of Harold Hildebrandt's not dead. He wants to get in your body. He wants to get in my body. 
Let's keep pressing forward and stay in line. And I wonder if we could just turn back to, to James chapter 1, and we'll just kind of start, and I'm, we'll try to get started myself on this thought of love, joy, and peace. And in James chapter 1, he would just start out saying, I think, as I was reading a little bit in, in my Bible, as they were, one of the Bibles I have, talking about where the book of James come from, they said that they thought that it might have been the very first epistle in history written after Jesus had gone, based on what was in there and things. So it might have been one of the earliest epistles ever written. Um, many, maybe things that Paul would have brought out later that aren't in this book. But James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, that it shall be given him. You know, we come in our Christian walk, there's so many things that will hit us in a day and in a week and in a month. It feels like this age of any age is sped up and sped up even in the last year, two years, three years. It feels like you have to take it a half a day at a time. We used to say, just take life a day at a time. It feels like sometimes you take it a half a day at a time and get through the second half. And, but God is faithful and God is true and God is real. And God wants us to live in a place where we're not tossed about, up and down, in and out, but we can have love and joy and peace. The scripture says, for let, that ma- let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Verse six, for he that wavereth is like a sea, wave, sorry, a wave of the sea driven about with the wind and tossed. Let, that man, let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord if he's double-minded. A double-minded mind, man is unstable in all his ways. What a, what a striking scripture. When we get caught this way and that way and this way and that way, the Bible says don't, let, don't think you're going to receive something from the Lord. You're not asking in faith. You're not asking in peace. You're not asking with this trust. But there's a place that we can be in. I began to think a little bit about joy over the last maybe while, but th- there's a scripture in Nehemiah that to me is like a, a principle or, or a law in the Bible. And it's, we make a song out of it. We make the laughing song out of it. But it's actually scripture. It's in Nehemiah 8.10. It says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's not just a song. That's a verse in the Bible. And there's a principle behind that that I can say with scriptural authority. If you don't have joy of the Lord, you have no strength in the Lord. That's a strong statement and it's true. Because if you look at anything, you, you work in your day job. If you lose the, when you, when you love your job and when you have joy in your job, you'll go the extra mile. You'll stay a little longer. You'll be faithful in it. You'll get there earlier. You'll stay late. You'll work through lunch. You'll do the things you need to do to get it done because you love it. You have joy in it. There's something, and when you don't, we know the opposite of that. You've lost the joy of it. You've lost the strength in it. You've lost that vision where there's no vision, the people perish. So the joy, not in everything else, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. My brethren, count it all joy when you go through all of these things that we go through. I thought it was so fitting. At the back of Brother Harold's memorial card was a quote that Brother Harold had read many, many times the place I just, I knew it so well. The cloudy skies and storms of life are no signs of God's disapproval. Neither are bright skies and still waters signs of his love 
and approval. His approval of any of us is only in the beloved. His love is elective, which he had for us before the foundation of the world. He asked the question, does he love us? Ah, yes. But how shall we know? Because we get tossed and we get pulled and we get this and that. How shall we know? We shall know because he said so. And he manifested that he did love us, for he brought us to himself and gave us as his spirit, placing us as sons. Now here's the other half. This is the, this is the part that does not, is not human to live. How shall I prove my love to him? By believing what he said and by conducting myself with joy amidst the trial that he in his wisdom allowed to come to pass. In the book of James it says, Count it all joy, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and let have patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We know that the stature of a perfect man would have faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience. And then it would build up to perfection of love. That patience is a part of the process going to perfection, and we need that. We have to do that, and then we get to brotherly kindness, and we build up. God is looking and putting us through so many things to see the reaction that we'll take. And he'll put you through something, and he'll put us through this, and he'll put us through that, and we'll put us through this until we can get to the place where we react with joy and trust and love, knowing that I know he called me. I know he's able. I know he purposed this. And until I can get to the spot where I can react right. There was a, a, a quote that was said to me not long ago that I, I haven't le- hasn't left my mind, and it is so good. It was said, it's easy to act like a Christian. That's the human part. We can do that. We can dress up. We can get all the words right. But it's really hard to react like a Christian. It's easy to act like a Christian. But you can, you can have all your plans. You know exactly how to do it. That's the human part. We can do that of our own strength to a certain level. But to react like a Christian, when the plan goes sideways, when this happens, when that wasn't part of the plan, then when you're reacting, that's when the true nature that's in you comes out. And if you're not born of God, the wrong thing will come out. And even when we're born of God, the wrong thing can come out if we're not in prayer and in the Word and feeding on what we ought to be feeding on. It's easy to act like a Christian. Oh, but that, that's human, but the divine part is to react like a Christian. Where what comes out of us, the natural reaction is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness. That's what we want to be. Naturally a Christian, by the divine nature, by the divine birth, from the inside out, a Christian. I wonder if we could turn to to Philippians chapter 4. There's this beautiful section of scripture that's really hard to live, I think. God help us to live it. I can say this whole service tonight. I want to live this. I I don't feel like I'm even living this part. Love, joy, peace. I want to, though. God help me. I want to live this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. Remember this word rejoice is the root word joy. Same thing. Rejoice in the Lord how many times? Always. Always. And again, in case you missed it the first time or didn't think I meant it, Paul says, again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. 
And it says, be careful for nothing. And in the Amplified, if I, I don't know if I'll find it quickly, but I think I have it right here. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Be careful for nothing. In the Amplified, it says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Be careful for nothing. Don't fret. Don't have, what is anxiety? Thinking about the future and imagining the worst possible scenarios as they trail off. We don't, that's not what we're called to live in. We're called to live in peace. Not anxiety, not depression, not all those other things. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And all of that is a precursor to verse 7. It says, and what? And the peace of God. You do those things, rejoice in the Lord, be careful for nothing. The peace of God which passeth all of our human understanding and figuring out this will lead to that and then this will happen. It will lead to peace. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's what I want, is my heart and my mind kept through Christ Jesus. Now the Bible would say that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Brother Brandon would say in the message, why? I wonder why. Why does men want to smoke cigarettes? Why does people want to stay home on Wednesday night and watch a television program instead of going to the prayer meeting? Why is it? Because there's no joy in the house of the Lord? What makes a person want to drink and run around and act like that? Is it because we don't have any God? Is it because there's no joy in the house of the Lord anymore? Is it because the, the Holy Spirit isn't ready to bless all of us? Is there anything wrong with it? He says, because that's, that we do it, that's the reason we're cursed. He says, the reason God's put this thing on the church, this cold and dampness, we're going to other places for pleasure instead of coming to the house of the Lord for pleasure. The house of the Lord is the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is the joy of his people. He wants you to come to church and worship him and be happy. I want to read that again. He wants you to come to church and worship him and be happy. Do you believe God is a happy God? There's a God of judgment, but he's a happy God. He rejoices over Zion with singing. He loves us. He wants us. He's a happy God. And worship him and be happy and satisfied, giving praise and honor and glory and wisdom and might and power to God. He wants you to do that. Brother Branham, the angel of the covenant, the Christian has not one worry in the world. They should be the most freest, happiest people in all the world because there's nothing you can't lose. And all things work together for them, for good to them that love God. So how can we lose? There's just nothing to lose, is there? We're just anchored away in Christ, in Jesus Christ, going home to glory, having a good time while we're going along. God providing everything for us. The scripture would say that, now back down the other side, scripture would say in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. This was Jesus. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted because we can get so far on the other side. This is human day-to-day life. Joy is a hard thing to stay in. Peace is a hard thing to stay in, and so is love. But he sent, us to, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, 
to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's our joy, the oil of joy from mourning. God wants this trade where we would have anxiety, he wants to bring peace. Where, he would ha- where we'd have mourning as the oil of joy, where we'd have the spirit of heaviness, he has a garment of praise. There's a new song to sing. There's something that we can take on and put on and say, this is what God gave me. I'm happy in the Lord anyway. And it really doesn't matter what comes my way today. I'm going to wear a smile, hold my head up, sit and say, I'm happy in the Lord anyway. But now we can come to the other side. Brother Branham would say, your comfort is your religion. He would say, your comfort is your religion. We want the joy of the house of the Lord and of the presence and the word of God and not all the other comforts, all the other things that pull us because that's what pulls us down. Brother Branham would say, we might not worship wooden idols and so forth. We might not, as we want to think of idolatry, but that's not all idolatry consists of. We sometimes make our automobiles and our clothes and the things we put on as idols. Anything between you and God is an idol. Remember, your comfort is your religion. Sometimes we make our churches idols. We should never do that. God is the only one we should worship. But we can get addicted to the pain of so many things or, or, or pulled by this comfort or pulled by that. And I say back to this, sometimes we, we get caught up in the anxieties and fears and depressions of, of all that goes on. We can get hurt. We can get all kinds of things that happen and we can even become addicted to the pain of that. We feel okay in self-pity. I've done it. We can feel okay where we just kind of mope about and brood and feel this and feel that. And we're not living where God's put us to live. We're meant to be eagles flying higher than those things. We can get addicted to those, the pains of this and that. But we're called to go higher than that. We're called to have the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We can also find sometimes a strange comfort in talking about the issues of the day. Maybe it's the politics of the day. We can find a strange comfort in discussing all that's going on, even in things around us, the people around us, the friends, the brothers and sisters, discussing this, discussing that, and finding a comfort in somehow talking about things. But that's not where we ought to live either. There's a place of love and joy and peace with things that are lovely, true, and pure, and holy that we ought to live in. A spot where God's presence could come in any room And in any conversation, and he would be the preeminent one and not the carnality that we can have. We ought to fly higher. We're to live in a state of joy, and we're to find our strength in God and not in the things of the world. Not in the comforts of the world. That's not the true strength we ought to have. We're to live in the joy of the Lord. The Bible would say in Psalm 16, Thou wilt show me the path of life, Psalm 1611. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In his presence, that's where we're strong. Why? There's fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the scripture would say, At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We get caught up 
in the downside. We get caught up in the negative confession. Brother Andrew had preached a, a couple of services around the maturing of a thought. And how Satan will hit me. We can't. Brother, Brother Brandon would even talk about how, how do I know if it's God's thoughts or the devil's. Because we're a thought receiver. We don't generate, but we receive from God and the devil and God and the devil all day long. And we're not guilty of what the devil hits us with, but we're guilty of maturing that thought. We're guilty of letting that thought drag us down a path. I, I would say some of the worst people, well, really, truthfully, from a scripture point of view, the worst people in the world, the mass murderers and all of these terrible things that have happened, were someone that took a thought and matured it all the way down to that level of depravity. And you look at the other side. You look at a Brother Ron Spencer or, or Brother Branham. What they did is there was a thought and a desire and an inspiration, and they took it all the way to a spot where God so has used them. We want to direct our thoughts to the good. But we can, we can, you could look at how could someone do something so evil. They dwelt in it too long. But I could say, even at a lesser level, how can we get so discouraged? We dwelt in it too long. We fed the thought. It matured from a thought that we could have kicked out the first time. The bird flew over our head. We could have blowed him out of the air. The birds of hell. And we could have blowed him out of the air. The farmer that would have had the birds flying over his field, he does not have to let them roost. We're not guilty of the thought, and Satan will tell you you thought it, but you didn't. Kick him out. Don't let him build those thoughts about ourselves. Because we get so down, well, I'm not a Christian, and I'm down, and I'm out, and we start singing songs, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, every day that I live, I'm depressed, when I wake up in the morning, when I lay my head to rest, I'm depressed, that's not right, I'm bound, I'm bound, that's not how we're supposed to live, we're supposed to say, I'm blessed, I'm privileged, I I have the oil of joy for morning, I have the Spirit of God. We are more than overcomers. Those thoughts that we think are what brings us to a, to a rapture. Those are the thoughts that will lead us to overcoming. Is by taking the word of God and, and redirecting our thoughts to the things that God's put us. And not the things of the enemy. The scripture would say, and maybe I'm jumping around a little bit, but maybe I'll just stay on this thought. The things that we think will shape the direction that we go. And the way that we think about ourselves, we can get so burdened down by our own failures, or sometimes perceived failures. The devil hits you with a thought and then condemns you about the thought. And, but if we can learn to, to raise up and, and, and push our shoulders back and say, that's not according to the word. I didn't. I'm not dwelling there and I'm not staying there. And I will not relent to to any pressure that the devil puts on me. I might not be the smartest. I might not be this, but I have perseverance and I'm going to keep pressing on. That Christian come at it persistency to say, this is where I stand. This is where the word says, this is what the word says that I am. All those other thoughts where, where Satan would say, you know, well, you're, I'm depressed and I'm going to hell and, and I'm lost. You know, what, you know what those thoughts are? Those are the thoughts he fights with every day because it's true about him. He's a loser. He's depressed. He's going to hell. He lost the battle. He's defeated. That's his thoughts. Send it back to him. 
He knows those thoughts intimately well because they are what he fights with every day. And he will go to hell. And he will be a loser. And he will not prevail. The book of, the book of, but this is the scripture we ought to take. We ought to have joy. The book of Micah chapter 7 verse 8 would say, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. The enemy has no part of rejoicing over us. It says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. For he will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it and shame shall cover her which said unto me, where is thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. Did you know the scripture? I, I don't, I'd love to study this one day and maybe bring a service on it. But the scripture says that we'll see the desire that we have on our enemies. That's not the people we work with. That's the devil. But there's a part where in, in the Old Testament, they would have fought their enemies, flesh and blood. But we fight principalities and powers. But we can have a, a hatred for the devil. And a good Christian come at it persistency. It says, there is Psalms 92, But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But mine horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I, will be, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes shall also see my desire on mine enemies. My ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. I want to be there the day that, that, that we kick Satan into hell. The devils that have bothered me, I want to be there to give them that last final kick. There'll be some rejoicing and there'll be some singing and shouting that the enemy, that we, we could tell them, you couldn't rejoice over me. I can rejoice and see my desire that I had all those times you tormented me. Now it's turned. The tables have turned. But I believe we can turn the tables on earth. Brother Brandon would say you could turn the tables on the devil so much so that it would, he wouldn't know what to do with you. You think about Pharaoh and Moses and how they had this back and forth of he would ask them, let my people go, and he would say, no, but okay, you could have this much, and then a plague would fall, and this back and forth. There came a day where Pharaoh said, I'm tired of you, go. That's the kind of life we can live with the devil. Where he would say, I'm tired of this people. There'll be a day, one day, where we'll have had so much joy and peace and love and the fruits of the Spirit and the right reaction that he'll say, get out of here. And we'll be gone. And we will be gone. The devil can't hold us down. When he reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. You are made the restoration of the bride tree. You are made and born and placed here in the body of Christ as sons and daughters of God. You don't have to knock down to the devil. We've got a law. That's the law of the Holy Spirit. The only thing you know have to do is to know how to let go and let God. You keep fighting at it, see, and it won't never work when you let go and let God. That's all. Now, truly, we can get rejoicing about even the enemies that would, would push us down and how they'll, they'll have an end. But Jesus says something that I just love. They, they, Jesus would have commissioned them to go out and cast out devils. And the 70 returned unto again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Luke chapter 10. And he said unto them, Jesus says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. 
Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not. But rather rejoice, because your names are written in the book of life. All those things are good. And we, ha- we can have some joy in that, but don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that we're predestinated and we're going to make it. Yeah. Count it all joy. All the things that happen in this present time, the ups, the downs, the ins and the out, count it all joy. Yeah. That the trying of your faith will work patience and perfection and we can get out of here. Yeah. Let the weak say, I'm strong. What we let out of our lips is so important. Did you know that even a little good humor can help you when you're down? Bible says, Psalms or Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doth good like medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Sometimes you need a good friend you can go and have a good laugh with or something to release the pressure and then, you can, then God can come in and this can happen and that and God can move. Positivity happiness in the Lord, not just in flighty things, is what we ought to live in. That's our strength. That's our joy. That's our life. Now if we, I'll just go back now to Philippians 4, 4, 4, sorry, 4 verse 4, and it would say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I'm going to switch gears from joy a little bit to peace. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful. Don't fret or be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The Bible would say, if you, if you, the, they that think on the Lord, he that keeps his mind stayed on me, I'll bring him in perfect peace. So here's how you unlock, how you keep your mind stayed on him. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. You can say, oh, my news source, it's the truest thing. So I like to think about it. I've got the true news that everything else is fake. But is it lovely? Is it pure? Make sure it hits a couple of the conditions before you start to think about it and dwell in it all of our time and all of our effort and energy. Is it pure? Is it lovely? Does it have strength and virtue? If there be any, any love, whatsoever, things are of a good report, if there, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. And what will happen? It says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. So it depends a great deal on how we direct our mind, the direction that we send ourselves to, even the confession of our mouth, because what we think about will come out of our mouth if we start to believe it. And what we do will then lift our mood, lift our spirit, and we can be happy in the Lord, no matter the situation. And the God of peace will be with you. Did you know God doesn't want you to have to lay awake all night staring at the ceiling, too anxious to go to sleep? Bible says he gives his beloved sleep. And yet the devil can do that. That's a real thing. Isaiah 9, 6 would say, For unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. 
He's not the prince of anxiety. That's the devil. Let's kick him out. When there's an anxiety spirit that wants to come, tell it to go. We can have that Christian come at it persistency and say, no, get out of here. I'm happy in the Lord. I'm full of joy. Whether we feel it or not, you say it. Brother Brandon would talk about maybe receiving your healing or the Holy Ghost. He'd say, you say it until you believe it. It'll come. Keep Because why? You're confessing the word of God. It's true. It's more real than your feelings about it. It's more real than any, anything else that you feel about anything. Uh, Brother Brandon would say, you can't be a Christian looking at your symptoms. You can't even be a Christian looking at your symptoms. You look beyond that. Jonah was sitting in the belly of a whale, surrounded by symptoms. He prayed a beautiful prayer. And he would say in Jonah chapter 2, and he would say all that would look at, all that would look at, sympt- at, at, at symptoms, all that, all, they that look at lying val- vanities forsake their own mercy. We don't look at those things. We go beyond those things. And I, Isaiah 53, it would talk about how Christ purchased our peace. He is despised, Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. He took these things so we can live in peace and joy. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, he was, we are healed. I'll just maybe change gear a little bit and we'll slowly start to bring it down, but I'll take a couple more minutes still. With the power of the tongue, I, I've only gotten to, I guess, a few verses in James, but we're going to find a few more still. Brother Ken Boyer would say, and it always stuck with me, if you want to change your life, change your confession. If you want to change your life, change your confession. And we've talked now much about the confession we have about ourselves. But there's another thing, and this might be even harder. I hope I don't say anything in a bad way, but the confession we have about everyone around us on the same pews is the other half of it. It's true. That's what we have to also watch. If we want to change our life, change our confession. Our brothers and our sisters are our brothers and our sisters. Amen. And James would have some, some powerful things to say. In James chapter 1, verse 19, it would say this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. As we think of the maturing of a thought in our own personal lives and how it drags us down, remember that we can get hit by thoughts from the devil about our brother and sister too. And they're not true either. And we have to learn if that's, there's discernment, there's things you can see. There's sometimes where you might see something. But if, even if you might see, oh, they're doing something wrong, where's the love? To say, God help them. And I'm not going to just talk about it. But I'm going to love them, and I'm going to pray for them. I'm rooting for them to get it right. And I want them to see it. Proverbs 15.4 would say, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. 
We'll just take a step forward into to James chapter 3. I'm sorry for Brother Dan. I'm jumping around so much. I'm moving fast. But thank you for all that you're doing. James chapter 3. James would start to dive into the power of the tongue. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. So until the day we die, and until the day we get a body change, there'll be someone we might offend. I trust we'll get to the spot where we're not intentionally doing it anymore. But there's misunderstandings. We're in human flesh. We're not in theophany form where we understand everyone. But any man that would offend, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. What does that mean? Remember what you say is the, what you think, and then what you say is the direction you're going. So you're bridling your body in this direction or in this direction. We want to bridle it to the word of God, point it to a rapture. He's able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths. He begins to illustrate it. We put bits in horses' mouths that, we may, that they may obey us, and we turn about, turn about their whole body from the tongue, from the mouth. Behold also the ships, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves to God. Oh, sorry, I've jumped. I think I've jumped a whole chapter. For the, even the tongue is a little member. I turned a page and went too far. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. Nuclear war will start when someone says, push the button. Set on fire the course of nature from the tongue. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. My, he's he's not painting a good picture of what we have to deal with, that little muscle in our mouth. But the tongue can no man tame. And then he begins to describe what we do with the tongue. The dichotomy, the juxtaposition or the two opposing things that we shouldn't do says, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. We can come to church and say, oh, hallelujah, I love you, Lord. And we come out, and the carnality hits so, God help me. The carnality can hit so, I just don't think about that brother. That's not what we ought to do. They're made after the similitude of God. We can't have a fountain. The scripture would go on to say you can't have a fountain of bitter water and sweet water. What's going on? It's not, what's the source? What's the true source? We want to, and we all get it wrong. Let's dig deeper in the storehouse of living waters. That the right kind of words would come forth. Not bitter water and sweet water, but sweet water. Love, joy, peace. I'll add forgiveness. You heard this story about uh, wisdom versus faith. You heard the story about the old sister that went to church, wouldn't say nothing bad about anybody. Said, what do you think about the devil? Said, well, he's a good adversary. 
What if we could find that way of, of painting everything? And I know we, can get all, we don't want to get all rosy. There's a balance to different things. But what if we could get to the spot where we could look positively at what we have and the people we have around us and look at the gifts in them, not just everyone has a backside. All of us have flesh. All of us have something that we wish wasn't there and probably everyone else can see it too. And they all look at them, John, I can't believe he's always late and always disorganized. I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> but God help me. And God help us to look past the humanity and realize that we, there's, there's God in that brother. There's God in that sister. That song doesn't go, it makes me hate everybody. It says it makes me love everybody. It makes me love everybody. And it's good enough for me. There was... There's that scripture, or there, there's a story. Brother Brandon would say, I, I went to a service and I thought I was every, condemning every sin I knew in the Bible. I, if I remember how it went. I was condemning this and I was condemning that. I hit every sin I knew in the Bible and I came out of church and a sister comes up and says, Bless God, you never touched me today, Pastor. And, and, and he said, Wow, she must be a pretty good Christian. And the people came up and said, Oh, Brother Brandon, she's the biggest gossip in the country, or in the city, and you'd never hit that. God, help us. That we don't feed on. That can be a comfort. It can be a joy. Or you just get talking about this and did you know this? God help us. That we can fly higher than those things. That what comes out of our mouth is true, pure, holy. The same things that we think about is what we speak about. And what we speak about leads to a third pole and the creation of things and life being brought forth. That's what we're, we're, we're to speak the word of God in a creative way. The spoken word is the original seed. That's what we speak out. There's creative power. Let's create the right atmosphere. Let's create the right things. In, in, in James chapter 2, I'll just spend a few more. Is this okay still? In James chapter 2, verse, verse 10, it would say this. Maybe I'll start in verse 8 if that's okay. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture... Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. I'm going to stop here for a moment just in case I forget about it. Speaking on love. Did you know that the, the Bible says that, that we have to, we, on, on all, the, the, all the law and the prophets would hang on loving God and, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Then it would also say, to, then it, Jesus would also say, greater love has no man than this. So the greatest form of love, Brother Branham would lay out different levels of love. The greatest form of love, Jesus said, is one that could die for his friend. That brother, God help us, God help me, that brother or sister that we look at, I mean, would you die for them? Would you end all of your earthly ambitions that you have right now, thinking of tomorrow and 10 years from now, and say, I love them so much, they're, they're, I'm going to take a bullet for them today. And everything, I, that's love. That's the greatest form of love. Now, I'll bring it a step farther. Did you know that if you kill someone's influence, that was the same as murder, Jesus said? If you, if you say something wrong about your brother and kill, kill his influence? So I'll ask this, and God help us not to do that. Would you, a story happens, this, the saying goes forth, the, situa- the, the rumor has gone the wrong way, and you're looking at it and say, that's not how that happened, and my influence is being killed, and my brother was actually the wrong one, and I was the right one. Would you let your influence be killed for him? Would you die for him that way? Say, you know what, God, the truth will set me free. I, I, I don't know, I don't know, but I'm not going to. God will defend my honor, but I'll die for him. If he looks good and I look bad out of this, I'll die for him. 
That's really hard. I'm not saying I... But it struck me as I was thinking about love. These things struck me. Would we die for our brother? Would we let our own humanity and pride and ego and, and, and influence so that our brother could be lifted up a little higher? Right or wrong? God help us to have that love. Jesus Christ came and died for sinners that we might be made the sons of God. Jesus Christ died on a cross, hung on a cross by the religious people in his church. Hung on a cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. That means he also knows what we go through because he went through it too. In the house of his friends, in the house of the people around us. God help us. I, I, want, I want to live that. I'm not there. I want to live that. Scripture in, in, in John, we'll keep going. If you have John, sorry, James chapter 2, verse 9. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For he said, do not commit adultery. I said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, but if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. If we do nothing else but like that one sister we gossip, you're a transgressor of the whole law. So speak ye, and so do ye, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. There's this beautiful thought right in here. The law of liberty was that law that Christ came to set us free. There was the law of sin and death, and there was the law at the cross that mandates that if we accept the blood, we can go free. It mandates our liberty. We're free. So speak ye, and so do ye, as they'll that be judged by that law, and not by the law of sin and death. It says in, in, in verse 13, He will have judgment without mercy that hath shown no mercy. Imagine the day we, we'll pass through the white throne judgment as long as we're part of that right group of people, that bride. But there'll still be a day we have to give an account. Imagine if we were judgmental about everything and everyone around us and we held a high standard. What that is saying is we weren't judging by the law of liberty and we'll be judged at that same standard. But what if we went around handing out that free pass to everyone? I forgive you. You know what? I don't understand that. And, and we pray for people and we don't stand for wrong. But where there's misunderstanding or where there's this, we give mercy and grace and love and forgiveness. And we show mercy and we're judged at this level. And then we get mercy too. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Amen. Don't forgive and you won't be forgiven. Judge at this standard. This is the same place that God's judging you at. That's what it says. He shall have judgment without mercy on him that showed no mercy. But mercy rejoiceth against judgment. There's a joy in giving mercy and grace to those around us. I'll look at, in Romans chapter 14, I hope I'm still doing okay. He, Romans chapter 14 is this beautiful chapter about how we can look at one side and the other and we can get maybe personalities and this and that. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. Don't talk about things that might offend a weaker Christian. Or uh, There's more that could be said. But w- for one believeth that he may eat all things. Another, who is weak, eateth herbs. I could make jokes about vegetarians, but I won't. Just kidding. But, okay, I'll stop. He, let him, let not him that eateth despise him. Veget- everything is great. All things are good under the sun. I'm sorry. Let, him, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. 
And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. God hath received him whether you thought he was received or not. Why? Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Your brother and your sister is not your servant. It's God's servant. And he stands or falls in God's eyes. Again, wrong is wrong. But there's things that eating and not eating and that are different. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand, whether you thought he fell or not. God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, and another man esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. So both sides won. Both sides were happy. Both sides had joy. Both sides didn't understand each other, but that didn't matter. He that eateth, eateth not to the Lord, eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth, um, sorry, he that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself, not of your brother, of yourself, Amen. to God. Let, not therefore judge, let us not therefore judge another man any more, he says. That's what I mean. Let us, therefore not, let us not therefore judge another any more, but judge by the law of liberty. But judge this rather that no man, this is the liberty now that we ought to have, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Well, I, I eat and he doesn't eat, but I'm going to just eat everything around him. No. Love. Living for one another. Dying to your own desires for another. I know and I am persuaded that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him that is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, lovingly. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not, let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of God. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and therewith we may edify one another. God help us in the daily, day part of, daily, daily part of life to not just have the right confession about our own walk, but to be able to lift up a little higher and, and see the God in our brother and sister. Will we ever understand each other? No, we, you won't understand me and I won't understand you. And we can try, we can get to know each other. But God is bigger than... He created us all different for a reason. 
We have a nose and we have fingers and we have ears and we have skin on the bottom of our feet. And Brother Brandon would say, if you're the skin on the bottom of the feet, you're still on top of the devil. And we're still all part of the body of Christ. And the body is not meant to have the nose over there and the fingers over there and the hand. It's together. We pull together. The, the two fists are not supposed to be hitting each other. They're supposed to be hitting the devil. Will you do this? It's not good. But where we can pull together and be a body, God can move. I'll just say a couple more things and I'll wind down. Brother Brandon would say, Hebrews chapter 2, part 1. If you're a witness to anything, you're just as guilty as being a partaker of it. So if we witness and say, oh yes, they ought not have done this, this so-and-so. Be careful what you say because you're guilty the way your judgment goes. If you can't decide, don't say anything. Just leave it alone. If we don't really know, we can think and get a feel. Oh, this is wrong. Hold back for just a moment. Pray about it. See what God would do about it. Judge nothing before it's time. Brother Branham would go on to say, then when you testify that you're a Christian, then you're guilty. You're guilty of being a Christian. And you must live to that. And when God makes a promise in the Bible, I see a man here in that service, he said, I see a man here in a wheelchair. When God makes a promise, he's guilty of that promise until he brings it to pass. God is guilty when he makes a promise, and the scriptures are guilty until they are fulfilled. And God will, God will not be guilty of one promise in all of the Bible. And God help us in our lives to make sure every promise is fulfilled in our lives. That we never held back on anything and that we never let go or didn't believe something that we were supposed to believe. First Peter would say, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth for the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, sincerely. God help us to have sincerity towards him. God help us to sincerely love one another. To go beyond all the things. Say, that's my brother. That's my sister. I love them. I see them pressing for the mark of the prize. Any man that would give his life, any woman that would give their life for the gospel the way that they do, I respect that. I love that. They're a Christian. They come. They're supportive. They're in the word. They're in the body. And I love them. How do you reach that place? Well, I'll get to that in one more moment. But in, in, in James, let's just maybe read one or two more things from James. and we'll, It would say in James 4, verse 11, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. We want to wait for, to the other side to be the judges with Christ. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? In James 5, verse 9, maybe I'll back up to verse 7 if it's okay. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not against one another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth 
before the door. I just was, there was a service that actually Brother Lawson took in, in Saskatchewan on a Wednesday night, and he talked about forgiveness. It was such a powerful service. If any, I think I have a link. They don't maybe have their services so publicly available, but if anyone is interested. And he talked about forgiveness, and it was one of the most powerful maybe services I've ever heard on forgiveness. And he said, you know, you might not know it, but in my pocket I have a little book, and, I have, and they're free passes. And when you do something that hurts me or says something about me, you might not ever see it, you might not ever know it, but what I do is I just go into my pocket, I pull out my invisible little book, and I give you a free pass. I forgive you. I forgive you. And I think he would say, I don't have time to hold a grudge. We're too close to the coming of the Lord. Did you know our prayers are hindered when we hold those things? We can't pray when we have a, something. To, but he said, I just pull out a free pass and I forgive you. And I forgive you. Really, we're the ones that are bound when we don't have forgiveness. Bitterness is drinking poison, wanting the other guy to die. It doesn't work. But when we can just forgive like Christ forgive, that's Christ. That's also part of that Christ ministry coming through us to let it go. Say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I don't understand. That doesn't mean condoning sin. Brother Lawson was also saying, that doesn't mean condoning sin. That's not wishy-washy. You remember, those are things that we know. But we don't hold it against them. We let it go. I'll, I'll close with this quote. Brother Branham would say this. Well, I'll probably read a couple more just as the piano players come, maybe as the musicians would come, but just as, as we'd come. Did you ever see a drunk man? He's just in love with everybody. You see, he don't care. That's the way a man is when he gets drunk on the Spirit. The Bible said, be not strong, drunk on strong drink with excess, but be drunk on the Spirit. The Spirit of God makes you so drunk, you forget about your enemies. And everything, everyone is in love with you. He don't care who's standing around you. You're the biggest man in the country then. When the Spirit of God comes and fills the building, drink it in. When, you, when we go to bed at night, pray with all of our hearts sincerely. When we get up in the morning, pray again. That prayer is what comes and fills us with the love of God, with the joy of God, with the peace of God. It helps us with our own confession about our own walk, and it helps us to love everyone else around us, no matter how unlovely they might be. That's what we ought to live in. That's what we want to be. I'm not sure what to sing yet, but maybe we'll see. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll just, uh, it makes me love everybody. I'll just read maybe one, one or two more quotes here. The guy, just thinking of now as, 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 we, as we move forward, the guide isn't going to take one this way or one over that way and send one east and another one west. See, he's going to keep you together. And if we'll just let the Holy Ghost keep us together, we'll be one. If we just don't let the devil pull you off on the wrong road, we'll be one heart, one mind, one accord, by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the guide of God that will guide us to all truth. But you've got to follow your guide. Another, the arrow of God's deliver, shot from a bow. And, and Shreveport, you dear, dear Southerners down here. And we're the dear, dear Northerners up here. Who are the finest people I ever met? I don't say that to compromise with you. I say it because I love you. If you ever want to get some real good treatment, real good old-fashioned hospitality, come to Louisiana, Brother Branham says. I mean that from my heart.
And I tell you, don't let the world creep into you. Don't let the world get into your churches, brethren. Pray it out. Fast it out until God comes and takes a hold. That's right. Keep the joy of the Lord among the saints. Keep them prayed up and guard every little place. If Noah seen a a leak in his ark, why? He put some pitch in it. And so that's just about the best thing I know to keep the leak out, the world out, is to stop the leak up. The best thing I know to do, only one way to do it, that's prayer. Prayer stops the leak. Prayer changes things. Amen. Let's all stand. That old-time religion. It's that old-time Holy Spirit, and the devil won't go near it. That's the reason people fear it. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It will make you stop your lying. It will save you when you're dying. It will start the devil flying. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It's so good I want no other. For it makes me love my brother. And it brings things from undercover. It's good enough for me. Well, give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough. Oh, it makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody, makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me, and give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me, it was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. It'll take us all to heaven. And it will take us all to heaven. It will take us all to heaven. It will take us all to heaven. It's good. Give me that old time. Well, give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Sing that song, Victory is Mine. We'll just invite Brother Ed if you'd come and help me close the service. Well, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Oh, I told Satan to get behind. Oh, victory today is mine. When I woke up this morning I didn't have a doubt I knew that the Lord would bring me up so I got down on my knees I said Lord help me please and I got up singing and shouting the victory 
Today 